0: Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, God bless you this morning. We are glad that you have joined us here on this fine day. Uh, I pray that uh, you have had a blessed week and that the Lord has given you strength. Uh, We are going to uh, fire off, uh, start off our new sermon series on the kingdom of heaven. And uh, last week we finished a great series on the Beatitudes with Pastor Hannah. And it was really a challenging set of messages that we walked through. And we have to take those as hard as viable followers of Jesus. To be blessed is much more than we assume that it means in our day and time, and the qualities and attitudes that we find from that series really sets the stage for us in this series on the kingdom of heaven. So one time Jesus was asked by uh, some people, by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, and Jesus replied to them, and he said this, he said, the, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, not something you can see. Nor will pe- uh, and he says, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst or within you. And it's important for us to understand what he's saying. And really, those religious leaders that came to Jesus at that point and asked him that question. Uh, they were likely looking for a tangible kingdom uh, that would give them liberty as a country. And, uh, and, and here we find that Jesus was providing freedom that, uh, that would start with the heart, and then from the heart move on to other things as well in our lives. It should affect everything. So each of these following weeks we'll be dealing with this overarching Uh, theme of the kingdom of heaven, Uh, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples and the crowds who were were willing to listen to him and to open up their hearts and minds. But in Jesus' teaching, he is handling some very specific subjects, and it's like they are simply one-shots, you know, a picture of something very specific under the kingdom of, of heaven. And Jesus is dealing with several poignant sayings that can really affect how we relate to the world around us. We live in this world, as the scripture speaks of, we're not of this world, but we live here, and we have the opportunity to do that. But today I have an opportunity to speak to you from Jesus' message over here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. It's where Jesus declares a couple things. He says, you are the salt of the earth, and then he goes on and he says, you are the light of the world. Uh, even though we are, these are one shots, they're, they're a picture of a subject that, deal, uh, that Jesus is dealing with here, we understand that he is not speaking in a vacuum. He's not speaking in a vacuum. And we, we have here the practical application of the principles that Jesus just taught to the disciples before this who had been listening to him out on the hillside. And Jesus, although he had began by pronouncing certain people to be blessed, it does not close, he does not close the Beatitudes without suggesting that those kind of people were right there with him at that point in time. Those who are meek. Those who are poor in spirit, those who are righteous, who live justly, those who live for the Lord. He has even said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you falsely. And now he startles them, uh, startles those humble, unknown people by pronouncing them as more blessed than anybody. So here's the one shot that we have this morning. As we jump in here into Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, why don't you read it with me? It should be on the screen for you, but you can pull out your Bible together with me or out your phone and look. And it says this, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then he jumps right into verse 14 and he says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. and said they put it on a stand and, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What a powerful message that Jesus is speaking. Really, really it makes you wonder a little bit what Jesus can reveal to mankind here and with using such simple materials. And uh, he's talking about salt. It seems to be so familiar to us. Uh, but most of most of the people in Jesus' time would have understood all the uses of salt and the value that it had for them. Even for us today, we may think about this passage, and maybe you at home, you, you want to stick your foot, uh, feet up on the coffee table if you're allowed to do that, right? <laughs> you Stick your feet up and put them on the coffee table and relax. I've heard this a hundred times or a thousand times. I've read this passage. I've heard it preached on, and maybe you are thinking about leaning back and dozing. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Stay here with us. Keep engaged in the word of God because I believe the Lord is still speaking to us through this very powerful passage. Sure, salt, light are common things and have generated a lot of different sayings even in Jesus' time. But if you notice these two things, they're paired together. <clears throat> he actually pairs light and salt together here. He doesn't really separate them. You notice that these two things are important together, and they really, uh, He really doesn't separate them well. And that, that seems to be Jesus' intention because He is making a point to us. And this is why we're going to look at these sayings of Jesus together. We're not really splitting them up much, but we need to keep in mind again that Jesus is speaking under the same theme of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, and He's playing about how He is talking to them. He did use the pronouns uh, you several times, uh, and uh, Jesus proclaimed that you are salt and you are light. We really have to ask ourselves, so who is he speaking to? Well, we get a glimpse of who he's he's speaking to if you jump back with me into Matthew chapter 1 verses uh, 1 and 2, I'm sorry, Matthew 5 uh, verses 1 and 2. You find that Matthew writes, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So here in the last series, I mentioned to you that these disciples were not likely only the 12 apprentice disciples, those who were working closely to him, but it included others who chose to follow Jesus' teaching. And they were people like you and I, and the truth is, is that when you choose to follow Christ, you are called his disciple. A disciple is simply a learner, one who studies under another person, and it and an honor to be called a disciple of Jesus Christ. It makes us something else. It actually makes us a representative of the kingdom of heaven. It makes us a representative of Jesus himself. What does it mean to represent something or someone? Well, over the years, I've had uh, the opportunity to, uh, in dealing with business and companies and vendors and uh, usually those vendors will send to you a representative from their country a company. And those reps, they, they represent that company. They're going to give you all the ins and outs of their business. They're going to tell you how they can help you and what their, their rules and all those kind of things are. But the big point is, is they're supposed to be able to represent that company well. And some of those guys that I've worked with over, Years, Some of them do a very good job at what they do. And then there's others that leave a bad taste in your mouth. And really, depending on how well that representative does, will will have make a statement to you if you want to continue to use that company or vendor services. And so the company rep really brings with it some far-reaching responsibilities. And we, we get that. But if you have chosen to Christ, if you have become his disciple, you also represent the kingdom of heaven. You're a representative of Christ in this world, the world that we live in. And so Jesus tells you and the rest of his disciples, you are salt and you are light. So let's step back for a moment and uh, look at this, ver- at this set of uh, declarations that Jesus is making to those of us who are disciples or who want to be His disciples. And He says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? I'm going to do it here for you. Hopefully you can hear me better here. As we see what He's saying here, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Here with Jesus' statement, it makes us uh, ask a few questions, and rightfully so. Remember, uh, we weren't there with Jesus in this context with the other disciples that were listening to him, but people recognized the value of salt back in those ancient times, And in fact, the writer Pliny, in his work called Natural History, said these words. He said, "Nothing is more useful than salt and sunshine." Isn't that right? I I don't know if you're like me or not, but I love being outside in the sun. I enjoy the sun; it's an important thing. And and I also like salt, right, in moderation, and it's good. But, but we understand how important these things are. Salt was used in the ancient world uh, to flavor foods, and it was even used in small doses actually for fertilizer. And it worked that way. So you can even find places in ancient times where it was used like a weapon to take, take and throw on crops of their enemy to be able to kill them or to cause them not to grow the crops to grow up. So they used it in all different kinds of ways. But above all, salt was used for a very important purpose, and that was as a preservative. So they would rub it into meat, and once it was rubbed into the meat a little salt would slow down the decay process of that meat and so that they could they could eat it without issue but step back with me just a moment and uh, think about what Jesus uh, about who Jesus is speaking to Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples here, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are a representative of the kingdom of God, a representative of the kingdom of heaven, and he's challenging us to live out those qualities that he taught to us over in the Beatitudes. If anyone can be a voice of reason and power in the world, it needs to be those who can preserve the world with right living and in meekness. Those who are poor in spirit, they realize that they need God. And they're willing to follow Him. What a responsibility and honor that you have to serve God by living right before the world that you live in. For all of us, right? That's just the way it is. Be the preservative that you are called to be because that's what God has called you to be. Jesus' crowd included all kinds of people. We know that historically from all the Gospels and the settings that he was in. and they included many different people. And Now we know he was speaking to disciples, but likely uh, that crowd was peppered throughout. The crowd uh, would have been different people, yet there were also likely those who were the religious leaders of the day. We saw them many times and many occasions together following him and listening to him and uh, and and i and i say we have to be careful about making any kind of blanket statement about the religious leaders of the day really because we find that uh, many of them come to faith in Christ you see it over in acts chapter 6 verse 7 it tells us this so and this was later on after jesus death resurrection and it says So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I think that's pretty cool to see that they were coming to faith. We also find Pharisees coming to faith. They were a more challenging, a lot of people, right? The apostle Paul was just one of them that we know of. Although the apostle John said in uh, in the gospel of John chapter 12 verse 42 he said these words he said yet at the same time even or many even among the leaders believed in him speaking of Jesus uh, because, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. They were, they were worried about that social status thing, and they were walking a tightrope when it came to faith. Well, we all understand what happens when we walk a tightrope when storms come along in our lives. And But we see here something significant. I, I would dare to say that there was a little bit of everyone around the feet of Jesus when he was speaking and teaching. But here is where our question uh, about Jesus' statement comes up. And it goes back into Matthew 5, verse 13. And he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And so, if you look at this, at first glance, this doesn't seem to make sense to most of us today. Why? Because really, salt that we know and that we experience, it cannot uh, lose its uh, saltiness. It's a stable compound. But most of the salt that they dealt with back in ancient times uh, derived from salt marshes and places like that, maybe even out of the Dead Sea and stuff and stuff. Uh, And so rather than than by evaporation of salt water like they do a lot now, so it, it contained many impurities. And because of that, the actual salt, since it was more soluble than the impurities, could be leached out of all that substance. And left a residue so diluted that it was of little worth, and they could just pitch it. It wasn't worth using. And so other scholars even mention that Jesus may be alluding to some of the salt blocks that were used among uh, the Arabs of the time in their ovens. And so they would use those ovens. They would get hot, and after a while, it would finally crystallize the salt, and then it was of no value. They would take those blocks of crystallized salt out and pitch them and, and then replace them. So it's in a, uh, the reality is, is that salt, at least in Jesus' time, could have lost its savor, and this does matter to us. It matters to you and I because Jesus is making a point for his disciples back then and for us now today, and the question is, is how can it be made salty again? It's not, it's not meant to have an answer, really. The point is is that Jesus disciples are to live as a preservative in the world by following the kingdom norms that he taught, what out of the beatitudes. And we're called to be the moral disinfectant so to speak in the world that we live in where moral standards are low, they're constantly changing, and sometimes those standards don't even exist. But here is Jesus' point: We can only do this if we hold on to our own godly virtue and morals that God gives to us. So, how we live affects the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, and that's what Jesus is saying here. And so, we must depend on God and His grace. And here's where we might, we begin a, a good, we bec- become a good representative for Jesus. And that is essential. Otherwise, we simply look like a fool. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, why don't you run with me just for a second? Bear with me. The the Greek verb that Matthew uses is moranthe, which means loses its saltiness. That, That word is used four times in the New Testament. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 34, it relates to salt just like it does here. But we find in some of Paul's writings in Romans chapter 1, verse 22, and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that it has a more common meaning uh, to make or become foolish. Who would have thought? So its root word actually comes from more, which means fool. It's difficult not to notice that Jesus' disciples who lose their saltiness are in fact making fools of themselves. If you take it one step further into Jesus' language, Jesus spoke Aramaic, and uh, it's likely that uh, Matthew's Greek language covers up what Jesus some of what Jesus would have been saying there, where uh, Jesus in Aramaic would have used the word "tapel," which means foolish, and it was a play on words, uh, up against tabel, which means salted. So you, you may say, well, do you mean if I don't live out my faith in Christ and I'm being a fool? Well, I'll leave it to you to answer that. But I think that's what Jesus is saying if we're not following him faithfully and if we're not, not living out as a good representative of him in the world that we live in. So I think it, for us as followers of Jesus, we understand why at times in the Bible that some people got a little upset with Jesus because he usually pushed the envelope a little bit. In recent years, there was a fast food chain that had a spokesperson person who was found to be involved in something that was inappropriate at his own home. And some people would think, well, that's his own business. Uh, that's up to them. But the, the company that had hired him to represent them, they were appalled at what this person had done and uh, their and their actions, and they should have been. And previously, he had been a good example to represent their brand. But now, because of the actions, he was uh, relieved of being a representative for the company. And they had, he had moved from being salted to becoming foolish. We must not only be the salt of the earth, but, but we must allow God to work in our lives in such a way as to stay salted Don't be deluded. Don't let everything else around you dilute you. Uh, Don't lose that, but be the one that stands for what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. And the next part of Jesus saying it's here that he challenges you and me to go on the offensive, to live out our faith uh, in Christ and in the kingdom of heaven. Look at what he says here in chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. So here again, Jesus says you, right? He uses that. I, I put that as red in my, in my notes here. He says you, you are the light of the world. You are his disciples. Light is often used to symbolize purity instead of filth, and it's, uh, it represents truth or knowledge instead of error and divine revelation and presence instead of being abandoned by God. But you and I have a great opportunity in the time that we live." To be a witness of Christ in the world that we are in. So where does our hope come from? Well, we know it comes from the Lord because we have this hope and this makes you unique. You as an individual are a unique person. No one else has walked through the experiences that you have in the same way that you have. And it gives you a voice. You have a voice. It doesn't matter who you are. You have a voice. And just make sure that your voice is seasoned well. And I don't mean that you have to be a great speaker. All of us who speak in front of people make mistakes all the time. And that's just the way it is. you don't have to be a great speaker to use your voice for God. You just need to be willing to share because you are unique and God has designed you. Paul said it this way on how we need to uh, speak to others. He said it in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. As I said, your experience is unique. And as a follower of Jesus, it can give you a voice with others as long as your life backs what you say. That's why it's so important being a representative of Christ is living out our faith. You may be an astrophysicist, you may be an art teacher, you may be a waiter. It really doesn't matter what your work in life is or what your abilities are in life. You have a voice to be able to share the love of God with others around you, no matter what the situation. We have those opportunities at hand even now. Jesus' reference to the city or the town on the hill is at one level fairly obvious. Most of us get that. We understand what he's saying. And ancient towns were often built of white limestone in the area, and it gleamed in the sun. They were hard to hide. How do you hide a white limestone building out in the desert with the sun beating down? It's going to be hard, right? And at night, the people's oil lamps would glow over the surrounding area, and so people would be able to see... But Jesus drives the point home in verse 16 that we must be careful how we live. We must be careful how we live out our life. But that must not stop us from living right. We need to live for Him well. Bonhoeffer said this. Bonhoeffer said that flight into the invisible is a denial of the call. A community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. We don't go and hide ourselves so that we can't be seen. Have you ever received a gift from somebody and and you wanted to hide it? Uh, may, maybe uh, maybe you received that gift and you weren't too excited about it, but the person who was giving you the gift were all they were all excited and they were wanting to watch your face to see how you reacted to this. And so when you received it, you were like, you couldn't say anything. You didn't know what to think. And so then you smile, you give them a cheesy smile, and and and, and those kind of those kind of reactions are definitely less than joyful, but. Have you ever received a gift that changed your life? I remember meeting a person who had a serious illness in their life, and because of that, they needed someone to donate, donate an organ for them. And I remember that once they received that uh, owner's door, uh, the the donor's organ, they let people know how grateful. And how thankful they were because it saved their life they let others know why because it was a game-changer for them and for us as followers of Jesus we don't want to just cover over or put a bowl on the light of our life because what Jesus has done for us Jesus gave us new life not life as the world has it not life because we got a new bmw or not life because we got this or that or because we got a new house or no life because jesus saved our soul and set us free and gave us hope and we have hope for eternity see we've received the greatest gift ever so why why would we ever hide that why would we hide being forgiven it's like some of the religious people of Jesus—they—they—they—they they, they, they didn't want to look bad in others' eyes. The truth is, is that we've been called, and again, as Bonhoeffer said, a community of Jesus which seeks to hide has ceased to follow Him. I pray that we never do that in our lives as followers of Christ. That we live out our life faithfully before all of humanity, loving God and loving peoples and inspiring hope. This time, our worship team is going to come up as I start closing. And uh, there, there was a woman named Esther. This woman named Esther, was, uh, she was just really an average person in some sense. And through a series of events, uh, she was really brought into a situation where she was going to become the queen of a pagan land. It was not something that should have been taken lightly uh, as a queen. In this case, she was simply a trophy trophy wife. That's just the way it was. She was just a trophy wife without a voice. And so for her to confront the king would have meant her demise, and this wouldn't have been the first time. And so you see that that's when her cousin Morty comes up. Morty comes up to her, and he says, hey, look here. He says, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Did she hold back? No, she didn't. She took her life in her hand. And she left it in God's hands, really, and she went before the King, and the God worked in her behalf. Jesus has called you and I to become salt and light to the world that we are living in, and the world without spiritual direction. Well, they have ideas. There are many ideas out there to try to make amends for life and to make things work. But they're missing out on the one who can forgive them and bring them into a proper relationship to the one true living God. We have been called to be salt and light. Don't hide the gift of redemption that you have received from the Lord. Don't hide it. Don't don't cover it up. Don't throw a blanket over it. Be willing to use the voice that you have been given to share the love of God with the world around you. No better time than now. In the time that we live in where people need hope, there is hope. We have that hope in Christ. We have that hope. And you can share that hope with others around you. Then live out your life in such a way that when people look at you, they can genuinely say there's something different about that individual. There's something good or there's something right about them. And maybe that will open the door for you to be able to share your voice. That you can speak from your experience. That you can speak how God changed your life. How Jesus came into your life. I'm not sure where you're at today in this place. Maybe sitting there on your couch or maybe sitting at your desk or watching on the broadcast but I want to challenge you. you. You may not have put your trust or your faith in Jesus Christ and maybe you are looking for some answers. Today is the day to look to Him. The Word of God tells us, the Apostle Paul said, in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, that if you'll confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you confess unto salvation. Today I want to challenge you to put your trust and your faith in the Lord because He has an opportunity for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to follow Him. All you have to do is put your faith in Him and say a simple prayer, Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Say that prayer today as I pray with everyone this morning. Say that prayer and ask the Lord to work in you. And for those who are followers of Jesus currently, I challenge you to be the salt and light that you've been called to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this very special time as we look to you as we recognize the fact that you have called us and you have chosen us to be salt and light to this world. Father, we pray that you would do a mighty work in each and every one of us. And Lord, for those who have put their faith in you today for the first time, may you give them the boldness to be able to reach out and to tell someone, I put my faith in Jesus today whether they can put that on the the chat, on Facebook, if they're on watching on Facebook. But I ask you, Father, to help them as they stand up, as they receive their voice through faith in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.